Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crossroads podcast here at InfraLogic. For today's episode, we have a guest, Alan Cooper from On Energy. Alan is the CEO of On Energy, and he's going to talk to us today about batteries and energy storage as part of the energy transition in Latin America. So welcome to the podcast, Alan. Afternoon, Jonathan. Thanks for the invitation. Alan, we, we had the pleasure recently of welcoming you to our Infralogic Investors Forum in Miami at the end of November. I really appreciated your participation there where you shared a little bit about On Energy, some of the work that you're doing in developing battery storage systems in Latin America. So for our guests, could you start today with a brief description of who are On Energy and what are you looking to do in the space in Latin America? So On Energy is a technology company and project developer focused almost exclusively on energy storage. We uh, have developed a, an end-to-end solution for energy storage, which takes things all the way through from uh, understanding how battery storage can add value in different power markets, uh, taking that all the way through development, uh, engineering, fully PC, implementation, uh, commissioning and eventually long-term O&M. And that also includes a most recently a project finance facility, which allows us to uh, put projects on balance sheet and work with financial partners to uh, structure storage and service agreements across the region. We operate today uh, with a team of 75 people across four core markets, primarily focused in Latin America and North America in the US, Canada, uh, Mexico and Peru, uh, with our office and physical infrastructure. Um, On Energy utilizes its proprietary software across the development and operations of energy storage systems. We have development software which allows us to accurately optimize and forecast what battery storage is going to do in the field relative to real world applications uh, and our own dispatch algorithms. And that basically provides greater deal of uh, greater. Uh, security for our customers and being able to underwrite the risk of battery storage and being able to underwrite that revenue stream. Finally, we also use our sort of crown jewel, which we call On Command, which is our energy management system to physically control and dispatch all of our 52 plus uh, energy storage systems, which are currently operational. Uh, And that is a totally flexible and proprietary platform, which allows us to integrate different uh, hardware vendors, different technologies, different chemistries, and being able to generate a full turnkey solution to customers that makes it easy to contract and procure storage uh, in, a, in a market that historically hasn't had access to it. Okay, excellent. Alan, tell us a little bit more about the genesis of On Energy. Uh, I understand that you've been working in the energy business across Latin America and, the, and North America for about 15 years. Tell us about your your experience starting on energy. What were the driving factors that led you and your partners to to form this company? It's, it's a great question. I mean, and, and I think ours is truly an energy transition story. I mean, I, I began, I studied environmental economics at the University of Toronto, really passionate about a potential transformation of energy, which wasn't quite ready uh, at that time. Uh, I did a worked on one of the first projects that implemented full EV vehicles in North America and was a, a fleet vehicle project operated from the city of Toronto. And that was a, within that, I had to do battery analysis. And, and frankly, the results of that battery analysis and chemistry analysis were not very good at that time, both from a recycling cost and even uh, con- consumer and driver behavior. It was, it was all fairly poor. This was in 2007, approximately. I later 
shifted into a more conventional energy background. And I started several energy technology companies alongside partners and, and my family in order to basically develop technology and bring it to uh, Latin America, primarily Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, and, and a few other markets across the region. Um, those businesses continue to operate today. Uh, but in about 2016, I saw a window where fundamentally the uh, cost of battery modules had declined to a level where they were nearly in the money and it, where power prices, particularly demand charges, uh, were sufficiently high to have a nominal payback on, on some of these solutions. And, and that's when basically I decided to, to step into the energy storage market, a little bit inspired by what uh, some of the companies were doing in California, companies like STEM and Green Charge Networks. And we decided to attack markets which were largely underserved in Latin America. And, and that's how we selected uh, both Peru and Mexico with very high demand charges, focused on commercial industrial applications. I also tied up with uh, my my co-founder, uh, Ricardo Desavedo, who's a brilliant uh, engineer, and he actually brings together three key disciplines, which are basically, you know, electrical engineering. And so the, the electric electromechanical functioning of energy storage assets in the field. And he's also a computer scientist and a data nerd. And so bringing together all these things allowed us to create and leverage some technology, which I had actually built for oil and gas and create uh, what is on command, which is our energy management system, which actually controls and dispatches the energy in a way that optimizes energy consumption and pricing for uh, customers. And that be maybe utilities. And in, in, in many cases, that's commercial industrial customers where we're basically providing some level of energy efficiency uh, mechanism and resiliency mechanism behind the meter. Fantastic. And in terms of the, the market itself, uh, I think when we've spoken, we've said that, you know, here at Infralogic, we haven't seen a large amount of utility scale project financed battery storage systems or portfolios of battery storage systems in Latin America. Few of the new renewable generation projects in places like Colombia and Mexico have started to incorporate that technology. I believe in Chile as well, they're using some of this technology. But talk us about how the, the market's been evolving in recent years. You said you started around 2016. Here we are six years later. You recently announced a project where you were going to install battery systems at several major airports across Latin America. Tell us about how On Energy has found the market evolving and how you found your, your space within that market. It's, it's an interesting question, Jonathan. I think there's, there's almost like a, like a phase change every two years or so, at least from the Latin America market. And really, it was in its inception when we first got started. We actually deployed the first battery storage solutions in both Peru and in Mexico. And we did those. And that was 2017 and, and late 18, respectively. Um, you know, from 2016 to 18, it was largely a piloting phase. So it was really educating customers and trying to get... Uh, both regulators and customers comfortable around the technology. We've had the advantage in Latin America to have some thought leadership and some pretty advanced regulation in some North American markets like Kaiso uh, and, and PJM. However, you know it, it, it takes a while for them to get comfortable around it. From 2018 to 2020, it was really an early commercial year, certainly for On Energy and I think for the industry as a whole. And here was basically when you know first customers start really signing up and and uh, storage as a service structures started to develop, and that's when we were able to do it. And in late 2020, we struck a partnership, a joint development agreement with NLX to uh, 
have Snell uh, own and and uh, operate batteries that we would develop and build for them in, for large CNI customers in that market. And then from 2020 to 2022 has really been about product market fit, right? And having a lot of these customers come back and repeat and expand on, on deployment schedules, have some copycatting from, from key competitors of, of theirs and trying to implement similar solutions to, to the ones that they see uh, other CNI customers developing. And a lot of utilities now really getting a lot more comfortable around uh, hybridizing their, their facilities with battery storage to make them as efficient as possible, primarily with, with primary frequency regulation. What I see into the future, I guess in the next two-year phase change is really scale, right? So, and, and you mentioned the, the, the airport projects, which was an interesting uh, batch of work that we had during 2022. I mean, into the future, I expect this to, to scale uh, really broadly. I mean, that was a 39 megawatt hour project, which uh, deployed across 11 international airports, you know, which came on the tails of having deployed solutions at each of those airports earlier in 2011 and, and early 2022. So I think this industry is still uh, nascent in Latin America. I think that there's a ton of opportunities certainly here. I think the, the you know, one of the key opportunities is, is with power quality and the requirements for additional power quality, specifically in the manufacturing sector. And I think that's what 2022 and 2024 are going to bring for on energy and for the industry as a whole. So in terms of the opportunities in the market, we, we mentioned the airports, obviously, and some of the utility companies that you've been working with, your partnership with NLX to develop these systems. Where are you seeing future opportunities as the market expands and, and the projects grow? Do you think there are other particular industries or particular sectors of the economy which will require these projects that you'll be looking to, to deploy? In all of Latin America, I think we're lucky enough to have national grid codes uh, for the most part, and, and those cover the majority of the country. And so really the applications vary, whether you're talking behind the meter or in front of the meter. I see an increase certainly in front of the meter of existing generation trying to hybridize their fleets with energy storage, as I mentioned earlier, but also for renewables to start integrating storage really at scale with their renewable developments. And we've seen that some flurries of activity in Chile and in, in, in Colombia and recent announcements in a couple of markets in, in Central America as well. There are a couple of markets which are, are still lagging behind from a regulatory standpoint. I think that might be an obstacle across the, the, the markets, but really where I see a lot of growth also coming in, in Latin America is behind the meter. I think that really this is behind the meter batteries basically target three things, Jonathan. They target what we call the three S's. They target um, savings, sustainability, and security, right? Energy security. And really these are three things that are paramount to commercial industrial customers in our region, typically operating on fairly poor power grids with high energy prices, and with really a need to show customers and consumers that they're doing something for the environment. And I think that uh, battery storage presents itself as a compact, a low friction from a regulatory perspective uh, solution that they can implement really rather quickly. So let's call it you know, six to 12 month deployment time. And, and I think that's what's been so attractive to our customers where we have the pride to, to service today and, and why I think so many more people are going to be signing up in the next couple of years as well. 
So tell us a little bit for, for the benefit of our, our listeners who are primarily bankers, investors, and, and advisors working on the financing of such projects in the space. How have you been financing the business and, and the specific projects individually? And do you think that in the wider battery storage space, that there's opportunities for using you know, long-term uh, project-backed kind of non-recourse finance to support these projects? That's also been something that's been changing fairly rapidly in the region. I mean, I think when, when we got started, we got laughed out of the room several times when we brought uh, systems that, that required any sort of long-term service agreement or, or, or uh, financing associated uh, to them. You know, in, in more recent years, I think there's been an influx of interest in the space. Not a lot of people have actually gotten projects across the line. We're, we're, we're one of the few groups that actually has. I think the key basically in Latin America is to... Uh, follow the cardinal rules of of of, of structured finance and, and project finance in Latin America, which is you need creditworthy offtakers. You need a sufficient time period to cover the you know cost of the equipment plus the, the return on capital, um, and you need a, some level of take or pay or or you know predictability of revenue streams, uh, which isolates the companies from really merchant and regulatory risk. And I think those are the structures that we've managed to put in place. What we do is we, we can offer customers an incentive by taking more of the performance risk on the battery storage side. And we're able to do that through our proprietary technology and our integrated service provision business model. And I think that's that's what's led us to be successful so far, because otherwise, really, this is, is just sort of like a more of a lease model, um, which can work. But in Latin America, largely, we're competing against um you know, international and multi, multinational corporations with a very large balance sheets and the ability to borrow money at, at lower capital costs than lenders are willing to lend for this type of project. And so what that's led is a little bit of a catch-22 that um, the, the, the customers who, who well, want financing, you don't really want to finance. And those who you do want to finance don't really need your money because they have cheaper money on the street. And so that's, that's been one of the challenges to actually scaling in the project finance side. I think one of the things that I would change is I think we need greater acceptance of potentially local currency and, and being able to match um, it, you know, the, the project finance and the revenues to local currency to some sort of hedge. And, and certainly we're making progress on that in markets like Mexico and, and even in Peru. Um, I think that uh, we need to structure these things with, with maybe more stringent performance guarantees and have some... Uh, level of diligence around what a bankable solution actually looks like. Um, I think there's a lot of people deploying solutions that that likely aren't bankable in the region yet, and and I think that uh, when the dust settles, uh, you know the, the bankable solutions will 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 stand and and will rise to the top. And and I feel that as further interest comes in the region and scale comes to the region, uh, that's going to be another key, right? Right? Right now, the projects are between I don't know per install probably between one and 10 megawatts. And from a structured finance standpoint, as you know, Jonathan, and some of your listeners, I'm sure uh, know, it's just not enough to, to uh, really make it juicy for financiers to structure deals around. So then it becomes a matter of aggregation and, and being able to deploy all those things at, at one time, which is also complex from a commercial standpoint. So I think there's still a lot to learn on, on the structured finance side. But certainly, I think it would unlock a ton of value for end customers, which is the most interesting for me, and certainly for financiers to get 
you know, above market returns, likely in the low teens to deploy solutions, which frankly have provided amazing results. And I think we'll continue to have further uh, potential into the future. Alan, historically, On Energy has had more of an ownership and, and sale model for, for the systems that you've developed, as I understand it. Is the company looking to perhaps go beyond operation and maintenance and, and the software provision for, for some of these projects and enter into any kind of asset management strategy? Does the, does the company have the capital for that kind of plan? Yeah, John, I, mean, I think that's one of the key transformations uh, over this next year to 18 months for On Energy. We recently closed on our first institutional capital raise with a company called SDCL, the London-based energy efficiency trust, which trades on the, on the London Stock Exchange. And they provide basically a project finance capability that we previously haven't had access to. So in, in those cases, we act as asset manager alongside a low cost of capital financier. So I think that's been very attractive for a lot of our customers in North America, in particular, where this has really reached maturity and scale. You know, we have an interesting project set of, of both behind the meter and front of the meter developments in uh, North America, both in Canada and the US, uh, which I think provide a ton of potential for the company and a transformation towards more of, an, of a light IPP strategy. Uh, and I think that the this next year is critical to us being able to prove that out. The, the pipeline is there. Uh, we have the experience and know-how in actually deploying uh, over 100 megawatt hours of these solutions over 52 sites and you know 30 plus customers uh, on the top tier, both utility and commercial industrial customers, where frankly, we can build these for ourselves and for financial partners and operate on the grid from a trading perspective, which we also have the software capabilities on a proven basis. So I think this is um, this is certainly one of the directions that the company is moving in. Uh, we still love working with third-party developers. We work with large uh, solar CNI platforms that are looking to uh, integrate storage into their portfolios, and we can provide them with our technology and our solutions sort of as a, as a more of a service provider. But when I look into the future, I think we have access to some very interesting value-creative projects where we can deploy capital at scale and deploy our technology at scale. And, and both those things will be positive for the organization. And that's a great way to, to kind of round things up. And in, in terms of the future, Alan, what do you think the, the scope, both geographically and, and kind of size-wise, looks like for, for the expansion of On Energy's business in, in the region? We can already see that. I mean, if I, if I look across my pipeline, we have a pipeline of, of uh, almost five gigawatt hours of energy storage across seven different countries. Over half of that right now is in North America, which is a market that is somewhat new to us. We've been in the market for about 12 to 18 months now, but certainly the opportunity is, is going to be very large here in, in North America, where I'm sitting in, in, in our headquarters in Miami, Florida. We see tons of opportunity across ERCOT. There's opportunities in Eastern Canada. There's opportunities in, in Virginia and other. And, and I believe that Latin America will continue to be a solid base for the company from a uh, deployment perspective, from a customer-based perspective. And I think that between the both of those things, we'll be able to build truly an America's platform for energy storage and try to bring you know, our know-how to customers in favor of the energy transition, which is you know, near and dear to the hearts of everybody within the organization and something we're truly passionate about. And we're just trying to deploy as much storage as possible to, to move us in, in that direction. Alan, thank you so much for, for sharing this today. 
It's been really interesting to listen to you talk about the business and, and about the prospects for energy storage in Latin America and, and here elsewhere in North America too. We'd like to say thank you very much on behalf of Infralogic and our listeners for, for joining the podcast today. And we'll be tracking your progress very closely over the years. And we wish you all the best. True pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks very much. Thank you.